the art and science of hacking our environment or modulating it to support our body is what biohacking is. Did you also know that this is a key element to becoming a radiant human through supporting our bodies to be as pure as possible? This is where deep eating radiance comes from an inside out approach to reduce inflammation, oxidative stress, and allow you to have powerful energy and the best sleep ever. Check out my top biohacking picks from supplements to EMF protective clothing, to water purification, air purification, blue light blocking glasses, detox options, and much, much more. Head on over to theschoolofradiance.com and check out my biohacking page. Enjoy today's episode right here on the School of Radiance podcast. Welcome to Beauty and the Biohacker where we explore the latest tools and trends in self-care, aesthetics, and peak performance to help you live your most beautiful life from the inside out. I'm your co-host, Rachel Varga, a board-certified aesthetic nurse specialist since 2011 with over 19,000 rejuvenation treatments performed on thousands of patients. I offer guidance through education on skin rejuvenation, practices and treatments, and achieving overall wellness in the areas of spirit, mind, body, and beauty. And I'm Katie Moore, a self-proclaimed biohacker with three years of self-experimenting in the space of health and wellness technology. I'm on a mission to help you achieve success without sacrificing your health or happiness through my YouTube channel, Katie Type A. And I can't wait to help you take back full control of your health. So join us as we sit down with some of the biggest innovators in the health space, the movers and shakers of the wellness world, and unpack some of the biggest secrets in the skincare and longevity space. We are Beauty and the Biohacker, and we're thrilled to have you along for the ride. Hello, friends. Katie and I are thrilled to have you joining us here today. And before we get into it, be sure to hit that subscribe button and also the bell on YouTube so that you know when new episodes come out. Be sure to hit us up over at beautyandthebiohacker.com and actually reach out to Katie and work with us one-on-one, which is pretty rad. All right, Katie, you are a professionally trained journalist. I am going to put you on the spot here and let's talk about back checking 101 and also our personal tips to help you become a more conscious consumer whether that is looking at skincare or biohacking gadgets so katie why don't you kick things off here yeah so um you know as i've mentioned before on this podcast uh i have spent years researching, learning in the kind of journalist field and space. And there is a lot of information out there to sift through. And like, you know, with the attention spans of Instagram ads, like it's just, we are, um, we're prone to just kind of read the headlines and read the, like the best aspect of the product, but not like actually get into the weeds and the details. So on my particular platform on my YouTube channel, Katie Type A, you know, that is my mission is to really unpack, uncover 
what's happening behind the scenes and what's really working or not working for these products. And so it takes a little bit of legwork. Uh, and you know, the same thing goes with skincare, you know, just because it's in a pretty bottle doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna work or it has the best ingredients. So for me, one of the primary things that I do before I even agree to do any type of product review or buy a product is I go to their website and I do my fair share of, of vigorous research. And I specifically, like if you wanna kind of just like, cheat, cheat your way there. What I do first is I go, okay, let's see what they're claiming. Let's see how outrageous these claims are. If they're somewhat, you know, like reasonable, then I'll go into the data section. So what I love to see in a really reputable company or, or their, their product website is like clinical trials that they've actually done on real humans, not just lab rats, but like real humans. And usually like the larger the group, the better, because then I know they have a larger pool of different, you know, um, people that they're, they're actually testing this on. And they look and see, okay, so what does the data say? What are they finding from these? What, you know, was it a, a, a double blind placebo run controlled study? Sometimes you get a huge knock out of the park and it's a win. Other times it's, a, you know, the, the water's a little murky. But I think like just starting with the research and seeing who is actually like, you know, behind, like, are they partnering with universities? Are they partnering with, um, you know, other labs? All of those kind of things you can find in their about us section usually or research section of their website. That's a really great place to start, I would say. Yeah, and I am actually knee deep in the world of academic writing. I have just submitted my third academic article. So I'm on the board and peer reviewer of the Plastic Surgical Nursing Journal, which is mainly a US, Canada, internationally based journal. And then I was actually recently uh, interviewed and um, you know asked to write a paper for Journal of Aesthetic Nursing, which is a UK based journal, medical journal. And so I really understand this world. And when you submit a paper, you're usually, you know, not paid to do it, or you're given a, you know, relatively small honorarium for your time, which is amazing, because it takes a lot of time to write these papers. And then it goes through this peer review process. So say, for example, I've written a paper, and somebody on the peer review board doesn't like the wording or it's like maybe change it this way so it's not slanted. That's really important for you to know that there is a process. So what I've noticed with some of the biggest journals out there and no I'm not going to name names and stuff like that but uh, my brother-in-law is actually in med school right now and he I didn't know this. He said that for a lot of the journals you actually have to pay to get published in it and mm -hmm. Why that somewhat alarms me is when I've looked at some of these research articles that have been published in these major journals, uh, everybody on the payroll is from one company. So right off the bat, there is not the element of, you know, an independent third party lab testing doing these clinical trials. They are all from one company and they would have had to have paid a lot of money to be published. So then that kind of makes me question the ethics of that article and also even of the entire journal. And that might be like a little bit harsh, but we do have to become an extremely conscious consumer of what we tend to 
what we are integrating into our mind, because what that does is it has a huge trickle down effect onto our body, mind, spirit, and energy. So just because an academically published article is published, you still want to look down what are the potential conflicts of interest, uh, who paid for the research, are all these people that wrote the paper on one payroll, because when you're submitting an article, you do have to mention your affiliations and potential conflicts of interest. So start mm-hmm. to pay attention to that stuff. And I love to look at research articles because there's a lot of information that I'll hear, say, on mainstream that then when I go onto the, you know, different websites or look at the articles myself, the data doesn't line up. So verbal stuff isn't the same as printed uh, peer-reviewed content. So I'd love for you to expand on that with your experience also in journalism as a professionally trained journalist, Katie. Yeah, I mean, I'll take that one step further, and this is going to make me sound like a total psychopath. But Another thing I do, and I this is because I just have a very, very strong code of ethics for myself, is I will find the founder of a company and I will go to their LinkedIn page and I will research the heck out of them. I will see what have they done in the past? What is their background? What did they study? Are they just a serial entrepreneur capitalizing on a CBD product right now? Not to throw CBD under the bus, but I'm. this is just an example of like, are they just kind of, you know, spearheading this company because they're trying to make a buck or because they actually have an investment in the research and the science and they are trying to make a difference because that to me is a huge red flag if it's just like oh yeah this is one of 1700 projects they're you know currently working on so yeah so i mean i kind of go i go deep uh into uh the research behind who's actually running this company and then i always have liked to see you know for better or for worse who is promoting these companies. So I think like as a very educated consumer, like you are listening to this podcast, you hear a lot of different affiliate links on multiple podcasts. And so you really have to kind of get in alignment with like the people that you trust. And, you know, are they just, you know, creating these affiliate links because they know that they're going to make a little cash on the side or are they really believing in the product? And I think you, I can't tell you who, who's right or wrong out there. Uh, and, and that is not for me to judge either. That is solely up for you to kind of decide Yes, I trust that person. I believe that they're selling, you know, they're encouraging me to try this product because they really believe in it versus they're just trying to make money off of it. And so it, it there's, you know, obviously there's a gray zone. And so you just have to kind of trust your instinct in that in that sense. Um, and also just do your own research on that individual and make sure that their values are in alignment with yours. All right, you guys have heard me say this before. We are here. I am here. This is, you know, one of my reasons why I'm a human right now is to help keep you on the straight and narrow. Katie and I are super passionate about this stuff. That's why we've joined forces here. So how can we sift through the gimmicks and stay on the straight and narrow? And again, if you haven't heard us talking about this before, if we're not talking about specific devices and products, either we don't know about it yet, or we're currently researching in it, or we know it's already CRAP and we're not going to bother talking about it. So the things that we do share, we're passionate about and really are doing this work to help you stay on the straight and narrow because as a consumer, it's really tricky to know what to use and what not to use. But what are some of your favorite search engines to use that you used as a, a journalist? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the most obvious one right now is DuckDuckGo. And I use that pretty much as my only browser. Uh, the reason being is that it's not doing the same algorithmic Google search that you're typically going to get with any of those other browsers. Um, it, you kind of get what is um, going to be kind of the, the, what I would say kind of like an unfiltered version of like what uh, is highest on the list. And so you can get a very different perspective on what you type in if you do like, you know, CBD products, and I'm again just throwing this out there, and then you you Google it. Well, guess what? Like you're gonna get what's gonna make the most money. You're gonna get the top rated product. Like when you go to DuckDuckGo, it's it's you're actually um, the algorithm is gonna be completely different, and so you're going to have a little bit more. I would say kind of control over what you're seeing, and you're gonna have more options available that you wouldn't that might be hidden when you just go through a different browser. So I have tended to find uh, DuckDuckGo to be really helpful for a number of things, you know, news articles, um, you know, new products, research as well. You know, I don't wanna necessarily see like the Mayo Clinic, maybe I wanna see, you know, some other, um, you know, alternative uh, uh, voices in the space. And so, that, that would be a, um, a, a really great place to, to kind of look into. And I, I know that's hugely popular with a lot of people as well. Yes, and the concept of third-party independent testing is so key. So one of the products I work with, one of the companies here, this is a French product that makes some killer superoxide dismutase supplements to help reduce things like photo damage and photo aging. So think like age spots, melasma. Uh, I take it to help almost give me like a sunscreen um, from the inside out, right? Just loading my body up with antioxidants. And they actually don't have to pay for their own research. Other companies will do it for them. So that's an example of third-party independent testing. And this is really key because if a company is doing their own studies, they are probably going to negate some of the findings that might not necessarily be in their favor. And chances are they're doing the research to promote a product, whether that be in the space of skincare, wellness, biohacking, the list goes on. So that independent study is really one of the key aspects. What do you think about that? Oh, 100%. There's always going to be an inherent bias coming from the company. They are, even if they have the best intentions possible, they are trying to help the world. At the end of the day, there's a bottom line and you have an overhead cost. And so no matter what, like even if the the uh, company is trying it out on their own employees, like there's still going to be a negative or a, um, a specific inherent bias um, coming out of those testing, you know, uh, protocols. So that being said, I love to see when an independent university takes on, you know, testing a product and they're able to do kind of like a side-by-side -side comparison study, men, women, different age demographics, because here's the thing, we're all bio individuals. I hate to break it to you. I'm different from Rachel. What affects me is gonna affect her very differently. We both have different locations, different genetics. So when you think about skincare products, hair products, health 
supplements, any of these things, you really have to think like, are they testing this on wide enough, you know, um, way, uh, wide enough, like group of people that I might actually end up like my type, like the type of person that I am might end up falling into that bracket. If it's only on 10 people, that's so it's such a small percentage. You can't get much like actual concrete data or be able to make these wide claims out of such a small pool. So like the bigger the study for me, the better, the more concrete data they get out, the better. And like, I also wanna know what kind of tools they're using to even make these object, like, um, you know, objective uh, measurements. Like, are they using the best tools on the market or is it all anecdotal? Because again, anecdotal, there is some type of inherent bias. If you have like a multiple choice question, they're like, here, take this, this is gonna, you know, make you feel better. And then you're like, well, I just took it. I guess it's gonna make me feel better. You know, there's a placebo effect there too. So again, it is very complicated. There are so many gray zones here, but like it, when you start to, to really put things together, it's like a puzzle, right? Like you, you start to be like, okay, clinical data, check. Like, you know, and then it's, and then you can start to see, oh my gosh, this product might actually be efficacious and it's worth my time. Mm -hmm. And also the length of the study. So if I've learned anything in my 10 years, 20,000 rejuvenation procedures later, international trainer, academically published award winning. Yes, I have one award that's on my work, which was great. My very first academic paper, the journal did give me an award, which I was very proud of. And I actually donated that uh, award back to the organization to help promote a higher level of collaboration and training and understanding and all of that. So what I've seen in the space of rejuvenation, so we're talking like facial rejuvenation, non-surgical injectables. I actually have seen clients have issues over 10 years later. Very sad, but oftentimes those companies, people that maybe have issues are able to do like a class action lawsuit against who made it, right? But then if you have an issue after that, after that class action's been completed, you're kind of SOL, if you will. So a, a, a timeline that I have liked employing in my practice so that I'm always giving my clients the best of the best and not making them you know, guinea pigs, if you will, is about a seven to eight year rule. Because what I found clinically is that's how long it takes for things to kind of show up a little bit. So say, for example, I'm rejuvenating someone's periocular area, which is the eyes, to lift the brows, reduce hooded upper lower eyelids, or the jawline. I'm very particular which products I use, how I apply those products, and has that product been on the market for a very long time and used globally. And that's actually really served me well as a clinician. And that's why my clients trust me is because they know that I do my due diligence, read the research articles, make sure that it's safe for long-term global use. And these are really important things for you guys to know. And this is one of the reasons why I've never been that type of cowboy clinician that's hopped on the bandwagon of these bright, shiny object treatments, right? Mm -hmm. With uh, There's been this trend in the rejuvenation world for uh, like micro droplets type of stuff or like mesotherapy. 
But the thing is, or like cocktailing different products together, when you start to do that, you don't actually know on a, uh, from a chemistry or biochemistry perspective, the potential physiological implications when you start to mix things together that haven't been studied together. Those individual constituents might be great on their own and have great long-term safety, uh, third-party lab testing, uh, clinicals and things like that. But when you start to kind of mix things and make your own scientific experiment, you never know. That's the thing is you never know what's coming down the pipeline. That's true. I don't necessarily have the luxury of, um, you know, waiting seven years to do a product review. But what I do say, you know, is, is kind of two things about that. So when I do look at a product that's out in the market, I look at the mechanism of action. How long has that been around? Okay, so if, let's say, for instance, it's like an HRV or like a vagus nerve stimulation machine of some sort, right? Like the Sensator, the Apollo Neuro, to name a few. I look and say like, okay, well, what's been done on the vagus nerve? Guess what? We've been doing this kind of work on the vagus nerve since the 1920s. So it has been pretty clear that like there has been a lot of long-term studies on, you know, microstimulation of the vagus nerve. What, you know, what kind of ramifications, impacts has that had on people? None, great. Okay, so this seems pretty safe. Second thing is like, I've never tested anything that would do something to me, like do potential harm to me long-term. Yes, I've taken some supplements, but they're out of your system after a day or two. Yes, I put skincare products on my face, but like, you know, I wash them off. Yes, I've used some devices that are electronic, but I've never interfered with my brain. I've never taken anything that would have a catastrophic, potentially long-term ramification on my body because I'm smarter than that. You know, I'm not going to, I'm a biohacker, but I'm not going to like become a cyborg, like Neuralink, you know, like it's just, you, you have to be able to draw a line. And I think that's kind of what makes you an educated and, and conscious consumer. Like, oh, that might be a little too far. I don't, I don't necessarily want to test that. But you might say, you know what, this seems pretty safe and effective. And and I, you know, there has, based on the mechanism of action, there has been research in this field, and it seems like a viable product, right? Um, I know Dave Asprey has like swallowed things, you know, before that like I would never do that. I would never like those like I forget it was like a um, some type of like. Uh, uh, stimulation device that he swallowed uh, to like help with his gastrointestinal issues. I'm like, that's a little, that's a little far for me. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, there was another point that I wanted to make. So that mechanism of action is really important for you to know. And yeah, we got to start somewhere with research. But when you're part of that research, you know that you have what's called informed consent. Mm -hmm. And it's really important for you guys to know this, especially right now, what is the long-term understanding of the mechanism of action? Things like proteins actually can impact our genes. We know this, right? Mm -hmm. Our body is made up of many different atoms and they come together in the form of you know, nucleotides and make our DNA and our mRNA and our RNA and all that cool stuff. And it comes together. And that stuff is formed by different foods and supplements that maybe we ingest. Mm -hmm. And that can actually then have a downstream effect on our epigenetics. So for example, when we're taking really great pre-probiotics and supplements to make our tummy work really well, so we're not as gassy or we're not as crampy and stuff like that, 
and we have less brain fog, that is then having an epigenetic outcome. We don't always care about our genes. Yes, we do. It's kind of our blueprint. But what we care about through conversations like with Naveen Jain, who is really on the forefront of the future of health. And I would actually like to consider myself a bit of a health futurist. Also, I've made some predictions over the last few years that have certainly come to fruition. So I do feel like I have a bit of an intuitive sense of this type of concept, which is really exciting. Uh, Yeah, trust me, I always want to know like the latest and greatest. But yeah, like you got to take a step back, be like, okay, what are the potential ramifications of this? Has the mechanism of action been studied in this particular way? on a large pool of people. And those are really important things for you guys to be aware of. And do you have anything to add to that, Katie? And then we'll get into some more tips on how to become a more, you know, how to become a smarter yeah. consumer. Yeah. I mean, I think just like at the end of the day, there's always testing too. You know, I think when you brought up epigenetics, it's like, if you don't know it, like you can test that. And if you can't test it, then maybe there's a reason. Maybe, you know, like, why can't you test that? Right. So I I would always say like, if you have, and again, not medical advice, we never do that. We're, we're just, you know, giving you some, some well-informed and educational content. But yeah, I mean, if I have any issues you know, with my gut microbiome or with brain fog or any of those things, I'm usually doing some rigorous blood work panels on myself. I'm, I'm doing and getting my gut microbiome checked out. Maybe I just, you know, my stress level is out of control and maybe I just kind of need some, you know, serious R&R time. So there's a lot of things that factors that come into play, how much sunlight you're getting, you know, like it, it, there's no one size fits all. So again, you want to definitely test, not gas out these things. Look at your your kind of like your framework, your rubric for how much you trust, like how long something's been on the market um, before you buy it. And uh, yeah, that that's sort of where I would I would kind of close in on this uh, discussion. And if you're ever unsure about something, whether it's in the skin and rejuvenation space or the biohacking space, just email the company or you can actually just reach out to Katie and I. You can find us at beautyandthebiohacker.com and you'll be able to find uh, Katie and I's contact information there. I'm available at info at rachelvarga.ca. And Katie, what's your email? I'm just katie at katietypea.com. And yeah, and if you send me an email and it's a quick question and um, you know, I, I'll get right back to you. If it's a little bit more in depth, like I probably want to sit down and, and talk to you about your goals. And so maybe you can just book a consultation as well. And I'll, I'll give you the 411. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's co- totally unedited. I, I share my honest and raw thoughts with people. And you know, I've, I've had to tell people like, yeah, I've tried that product and it doesn't work. And that's the the raw, honest truth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'm the same way. I don't actually say particular products and treatments that I love or don't love on these free platforms, but I'm very candid when I'm working one-on-one with a client in a private conversation. That's what you're paying me for. You're paying me for my honest opinion. So what's really cool about when people reach out to Katie and I And they're like, oh, what do you think of this device? What do you think of that product? It can actually get our wheels turning. So please do not be a stranger and be sure to leave a review on the podcast here and what you've enjoyed learning about, what you'd like to learn more about in future episodes. Katie and I are two women on a mission, really helping 
men and women all across the globe and everybody in between to become a more conscious consumer on various different aspects of your your wellness, right? Body, mind, spirit, energy optimization through a higher level of, you know, how can we kick butt and take names as humans? So Katie, do you have any closing words for our episode on fact checking 101, our personal tips to help you become a more conscious consumer? The biohacking space is, is expensive and I just want you to spend your money wisely. So I, I just think it's very simple. Don't waste your time or money on things that don't work. Do your research, get the stuff that does work. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, you're, I mean, biohacking tech, I have some things behind me that are anywhere from $300 to $2,000. And then there's things beyond, right? And then the rejuvenation space, there's skincare, there's at-home mm -hmm. tools. And then there's also in-clinic rejuvenation treatments as well that, yes, are quite costly. So we are here to help you out and stay yeah. on the straight and narrow. And we're so grateful to be able to hang out, Katie and I, and share great messages to help you out. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. It's always a pleasure seeing you, Katie. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day. And please feel free to reach out to us at beautyandthebiohacker.com. And our details for connecting with us directly are in the show notes. Have an awesome See you day, later. everybody.